Hey guys, welcome to Trinity Church Online. For more information, please visit us at ourtrinity.org or you can find us on Facebook at Trinity Church of Wheat Ridge or even on Instagram at Trinity Church CO. No matter where you are today, we are glad that you have joined us here. Isn't God's love for us just amazing? Man, that song, whenever I sing it. <laughs> There's many times before I come out here where I'm just like bawling my eyes out back there. Um, and so I'm like, get yourself together, Derek, come on. Um, but God, his love for us is, is, is overwhelming in a lot of ways. Um, his grace towards us, his forgiveness towards us. Um, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, I uh, sat down before the service back here. Uh, we usually pray as a group. I sat down and I kind of let out a uh, type moan. And pastor asked, he was like, you tired or something like that anyway? And I was like, well, I played volleyball yesterday. Oh, man. <laughs> I am sore and beat up and oh, my feet are super soft because it was sand, but very tender. And oh, so I was like, I need some energy today. Um, but those songs, uh, man, they got me excited. They got me excited about the word today and uh, what we're going to be speaking on today. So we're in a series called Parables, and today our parable is found in Luke chapter 7. So Luke chapter 7, if you wouldn't mind turning there, please. Luke chapter 7. How many of you have done something terrible in your life? How many of you have done something terrible towards another human being? Yeah? How many of you have done something terrible towards a human being and they forgave you for it? How did that make you feel? Was it as if this giant weight was just lifted off your shoulders? Did perhaps your view of this individual that maybe you treated so terribly at some point in your life, did, that view of that, did your view of that person change? As we've been reading through these parables, as, we, as we've been looking at different passages, and I hope as you read the Bible on your own, you'll know that Jesus caused a lot of scenes, right? Man, he was always causing scenes. He was always putting the Pharisees in their place, so to speak. He was always uh, confounding the wisdom that they had. He was always causing scenes by, by casting out demons, right? And by causing some blind people to see again. He was healing people. He was outsmarting the religious leaders. Well, today what we see is we see one of these Pharisees invite Jesus over to his house. And that's where we start today. That's kind of the context of Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at, tab at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to, f to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this was who was touching him, for she is a sinner." And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. Father God, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for this parable that shows us our, our reaction to this forgiveness. 
God, I pray that you will use me and just speak through me today that they would hear your word and not my own thoughts, God. Lord, I pray if we have any any hard soil, any walls in our heart right now, that they will be broken down, that we will focus on you, that we will cast any cares and stress that we may have, that we will put them in your hands. God, help us to hear and understand your word. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the first thing we're going to see is Simon's invitation. So Simon is the Pharisee. And, and, and as you read commentary, some people believe that this is a, a trap. So the Pharisees, many times as you read through the, the New Testament, were trying to trap or trick Jesus, trying to outsmart him or cause him to stumble up. Many people, or some people believe this is the case, some people don't. Um, I don't know if it really is. It doesn't really say in the passage. I don't think it's below this, this individual, Simon, to do something like that. But I, you know, I could also see it kind of being as a kind thing, as this man, like, hey, I just want to have you know, dinner with this individual and, and see what he's really about. But either way, whether he's trying to cause Jesus to, to stumble or, or whether he just wants to have a nice dinner, what we see is this Pharisee fails epically. Man, does he fail. And, and, and Jesus really gives it to him. And, and I really like this parable. But we need to understand the context. So custom in those times was for, for the neighbors around the house. If they heard that someone important was going to one of their neighbor's house, they were invited to come and share in that time. That, that was really uh, important in Greek culture and also in the Jewish culture, where if someone important or someone was coming to speak uh, to another individual, the neighbors and the people around were welcome to join in that, that discussion. Sometimes it was done outside, sometimes it was done indoors, but either way, the door was open. So the individuals, they could walk, they could stand around the room, and it wasn't for commentary, it wasn't for them to be uh, verbally speaking in conversation, but to be part of it, to hear the important people talk. That's pretty much what it was about. So that was a custom, and it's not something that we typically hear of today. We don't really see our neighbors coming over because we have people over, right? That's not always the case. Well, there was a certain woman that heard of Jesus being there. Jesus was starting to, to gain a reputation, and it was starting to, to pick up about who he was. And this woman heard that he was going to be there. So what she did is she made her way into that room and she placed herself right at the feet of Jesus. So in those days, how you would sit at a table, it wasn't a normal sitting down in a chair like we do today. A lot of times you would be sitting on the, either the floor or on a pillow, but many times, especially if it was an honored guest and, and the men of the house or the free men, they would recline. So they would kind of be like sitting on this couch, uh, this really low couch, either on the ground or slightly elevated, and they would just be reclining really hard to do without it, but you kind of get the picture, right? Feet over here, head over here, table right here, food going in mouth, all right? So that's, that's sort of how we, were, how we need to visualize this. So what happens is this woman, she enters into the house, and as Jesus is reclining, reclining she goes and stands at his feet. So here's Jesus' feet, his head's over here, and she's standing there. What this woman does, though, is that she begins to weep. Man, how many of you have cried and it was just, it was a mess, right? Just tears just streaming down your face. It was just dripping, right? This woman, and in, in, in some ways, was a mess, just, just dripping. Her eyes just, just flowing with water. Enough so that where, when she was standing there and crying, that it was wetting his feet. And, 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 and how I kind of like to view this, and I, and I think it's okay to view it this way, is that, that as she was crying, she was noticing, man, his feet are getting wet. 
I, I'm weeping so much that his feet are getting wet, and so she bends down and she starts to dry it with her hair. The purpose that she was there was to, to, to anoint his feet, to put ointment on his feet. She brought this alabaster flask with her that had this, this uh, ointment in it. So she began to dry his feet with her hair. She's still weeping, and, and as she dries it, she begins to kiss his feet. And I don't know about you guys, but kissing feet is just not something I'm wanting to be into at all. All right? But it's something this woman, she, she felt so, so, so sad. So she was so overwhelmed with emotion that she, she began kissing his feet. It was a sign of respect and, and, and honor and love towards this individual. She was kissing it, and she, she starts to place this ointment on there. Something, no doubt, that was very valuable and precious to her. If you were in this room, if you were one of the neighbors, you know, if it was nowadays, you would probably be like, this is really weird. But, but try to put yourself there back then and where this is almost a, a normal thing. And what would go through your mind? Probably, this is a little strange, right? Or a little uncomfortable. I'm not, I don't do well with emotions in front of people, so I'd be like, why are you crying in front of a group of people? This is uncomfortable, right? Well, what we get to see is what actually goes through the mind of the Pharisee. We get to see what goes through the mind of the host of the house, Simon. In verse 39 we read, If this man were a prophet, this is Simon, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Simon says this, and this isn't out loud, this is in his mind. He says, if this man, if he was truly a prophet... And it's kind of nice, you know, at least the Pharisees kind of given him that, right? Well, if this man was at least a prophet, he would know who this woman was and the things that she's done, the sins that she's committed. The first thing that came to this Pharisee's mind was he was so quick to judge her sins and to point out the flaws in her life. So that was the first thing we saw, this invitation. The next thing we see is finally the parable. We see Jesus' parable. So what Jesus does is he reads this man's mind, and, and in theory, he's actually kind of answering this guy's question, just not in the way he was, Simon was expecting it, right? Simon's like, man, if this guy was a prophet, you know, to himself, he would see what kind of sinner this was, and Jesus is like, you know, I can still read your mind, dude. You know, like, I know exactly what's going on, and he answers him, and so what he does is he proves he's a prophet, but not in the same way the Pharisee was expecting. In verse 40, we read, and Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you, and he, and he answered, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? So there's these two men that they owed certain amounts of money. All right, some owed 50 denarii and the other one owed 500 denarii. Now a denarii is equivalent to a day's worth of wages. So what you make in one day, and this is just like a common uh, amount. It's not obviously, you know, around the board. Some people probably make way more in a day than other people. But this is more of like the common, sort of like the, the normal amount that people make. This is a day's worth of money. So one owed 10 times as much as the other one. But they, owe, they both owed. They both had a debt. But their debts were forgiven, and both were free to carry on life without a burden. How many of you have paid off a debt? How many of you have been forgiven a debt? That probably doesn't happen as often, right? A lot of times, you know, you need to pay it off, whether it's a student loan, a house, or anything like that. I have a, um, some friends. My wife and I were very blessed uh, that our, our parents were able to pay for, you know, college. 
And so we, we don't have that student debt. And, and when Andrea was getting her master's degree, she was smart enough to where the school actually paid for her to get her master's degree. And so we're, we were very blessed that we don't have that, that student loan just kind of hovering over us. But we have some friends that do. And man, is that a burden. Uh, I just had a friend that paid off his student debt. Whew! Man, you would have thought there was like a 10,000-pound weight on his shoulders. When he paid it, man, we went out, we celebrated, all those things. And it was something where Andre and I haven't experienced that, but it's like you could tell just by looking at them that this weight had been lifted. Jesus asked him after telling the parable, like both of these debts have been lifting off the, lifted off these individuals. Their debts were forgiven. Which one will love the money lender more? See, you, you'll pay yours, one, talking to the 50 denarii, you'll pay yours in a little, a little under two months. We're going, you know, a denarii is a day, 50 days, a little under two months. Over to the other guy, though, the one owed a 500, yours will probably be up in almost a year and a half. So every, the money you make every single day will go towards this for a little over a year and a half. Simon, as Jesus answers this question, or asks this question, Simon's answer is correct. Simon answered in verse 43, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. So Simon answers correctly. Pretty easy question. He answers correctly, but he still failed the test. He still failed the test. And we see this starting in verse 44. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. She gave me no kit. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Jesus tells him, since the time I have been here, you, you have not offered to wash my feet at all. But also since the time that I've been here, she has continually washed my feet with her tears and dried it with her hair. When I entered into your house, you, know, you gave me no kiss. But the time I've been here, she's been kissing my feet continuously. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Jesus is telling him, Simon, you have not shown me the most common of courtesies for just having a guest over. The entire time I've been here, these most common courtesies, and you have the audacity to judge her actions. You don't offer me these things, and when she does, you judge her. What these are equivalent to, they, they would be strange. If you had a visitor over today, you wouldn't wash their feet, kiss them, anoint their head with oil, right? Those aren't common things to us today. But what, what we could say is, is if someone came over and you offered to take their coat, you offered them a seat. You said, hey, is there anything I can get you to drink? These, these common courtesies. Now, that's something that I'm not very good at. My wife, on the other hand, is very good at that. Uh, when we have people over, man, she is nonstop just going all over the place. I don't think about it. I just think, I'm like, yeah, I'm here to enjoy my time with, you know, with my friends or whoever's over. She's like, man, you know, have a seat. Get, you want a blanket? Here's, some, here's something to drink. She's very good at that. But I'm going to switch it. Now, sometimes she's not in here because she'll be working with the children, and sometimes people will go up to her and tell her like random things I said during the sermon, and she has no idea what you're talking about. I think one time we're talking about a holy kiss, and I said that I still kiss my wife, and someone went up to her and was like, I'm glad that you guys still kiss. 
And she was like, what are you talking about? You know? So I was, I was like, kind of, I was like, I love when she's in here, but I was kind of hoping she wasn't because I'm going to turn this around a little bit. If we had someone over at the house and she didn't offer them something to drink or she didn't offer to take their coat or, or, or a seat, she didn't do those things. But instead, I did. I'm the one that said, hey, here, here, you know, here's a cup. You want some water? We have some tea, whatever, maybe. Here, take this seat, you know, it's real comfortable, whatever. If I was to do those things, and then what she did is she gets upset. She gets mad at me and, and the individual for taking these things that I'm offering. And the reason was is, is she, she looks at him and says, do you know how much sin this guy has? That's kind of why I reversed it. Do you know how much sin this dude has? Like, oh, man, like, if you lived with him, you would understand what this person is like. If that was to be Andrea, you would probably say, man, that's not right. Like, he's just, you know, offering him a drink. He's just offering him these, these common courtesies. Why are you so mad about him? Like, okay, he probably has sin. Yeah, that's, but it's, it has nothing to do with my cup of water. You would say that's not right. That's crazy. But this Pharisee, Simon, he was so blind spiritually that he couldn't see what was even happening before him. He, he saw what the woman was doing, and in his mind, the first thing was like, She's such a sinner. That's the first thing that came to his mind. And the sad part is he's so blind that he can't even see himself. At this point, Jesus, he really gets to, to the, the main point of his parable. He says, this woman, although she is guilty of much sin, she has received forgiveness. And her love is a sign of that. In verse 47, therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. So the word for here, it, it, the word for can mean a cause of something or the evidence of something as well. <clears throat> Some people take this, this part of scripture and they try to say, oh, the more that we love God, the more he will forgive us. And that's not what this is saying. It, it, when you look through scripture, that's not what scripture tells us. So an example I want to use is, how many of you like cookies? How many of you like burnt cookies? No one, right? Oh, you like burnt cookies? Yeah, well, she used to burn your cookies. She didn't make burnt cookies. She used to burn the cookies. Um, we all like cookies, right? But if, if you went to the table counter and you saw that it was burned, there's two things that, that would reveal to you that they were burnt. The first one would be, the cookies are burnt, for they were in the oven too long. Right, that's a cause. The reason why these cookies are burnt is because they were in the oven too long. Or four, in this instance, the cookies are burnt for I saw they were burnt with my own eyes. That's an evidence, right? The reason why I say that these cookies are burnt is because I saw them with my own eyes. We also see that scripture doesn't teach that forgiveness is earned. It doesn't teach that the more you sin, the more you earn the forgiveness. When we read even in this parable, the debtor's debt was paid, and then those that owed money loved the moneylender. The forgiveness came first. In verse 50, Jesus answers this, and he says, your faith has saved you. So, so the point here isn't, this woman has loved much, so she's forgiven. But this woman has been forgiven, and that is why she loves you find that this incident, it happens, if you, if you kind of read the Bible, I don't know if, uh, how many of you have the Bible that's sort of in uh, like chronological order, where it's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, but it's like this verse, this chapter, and it, it sort of goes through the Bible um, in like event order, instead of uh, by book order. 
Well, this event happens not too long after Jesus had given the invitation that's found in Matthew eleven twenty eight, And Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's very possible that this woman may have found her forgiveness at that time. She was there, and she already knew who Jesus was, right? Before this parable. So she shows up and she hears this man say these. He's been doing these miracles and says that, you know, you, have, you, you will receive forgiveness. Come to me all who labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. She sought rest, and she repented of the things in her life, and she ran to the Savior. She heard those things, and she received the forgiveness of God. But Simon, on the other hand, he had not shown the same affection towards the Lord. Jesus saying in verse 47, this is how I like to picture it. He looks at the woman and says, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. And then I like to think that he kind of looks over at Simon and says, But he who is forgiven little, loves little. As he says this, I imagine it sort of hit Simon at that moment. When we look at this parable, some would say that Simon would be the man that owed the 50 denarii, Right? He was forgiven little, so he loved little. And the woman in this situation was the 500 one. But I don't think the quantity is the point of this passage. Yes, forgiven more would produce more love, right? In theory, that's the case. But it doesn't matter always how much you are forgiven unless you realize how much you have been forgiven. See, if the one, if he, if he was owing 500, Okay, But if he was able to earn that very quick, and he had no family to provide for, he was just kind of on his own, he was doing those things, the reality of his debt probably wouldn't set in as much as, as the one who owed 50, right? And, and, and every single day for the next two, or uh, almost two months, every single day his money would go towards that debt, and he had a family to provide for. How is he going to feed his family? What is he going to do? That debt is, is heavy on that individual, See, the man that owed 500, yes, that was a lot more. But if, unless he realized how much that debt actually was on him, it probably it would have meant nothing. Simon wasn't the man who owed 50. In fact, Simon was the man who wasn't forgiven at all. Jesus said if someone was at least forgiven a little bit, he would have shown me a little love. And as we read earlier, Simon showed him no love, right? He didn't clean his feet. He, he didn't offer to uh, anoint his head with oil. He didn't offer to do these common things. If he had an ounce of an understanding for, for the opportunity of forgiveness, for the debt that he owed, he would have shown him a little love, and he did not. Simon showed him none. Simon was so fast to judge the sin of this woman, but he refused to even see his own sin. He didn't understand the debt that he had. He was so fast to question the abilities of the Lord, yet he did not see his inability to save himself. So that's the third thing we're going to look at is our forgiveness. Now, I always try to put us in, in the feet of the individuals in the, in the passage, right? I think if we read it from, uh, in, in theory, at a distance where we say, yeah, man, Simon, whew, you know, he had a rough, right? Good thing I'm not Simon. You know, sometimes we do that. Sometimes we say, yes, I'm the, 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 the woman in this situation. You know, I'm the woman that, that loves the Savior. And oftentimes when we look at Scripture, that's not always the case. 
So I, what I want to see is I want to see three types of people that we find in this script in this passage today. But first I want to look at forgiveness. The forgiveness that we have received. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10, There is no one that is righteous. We all are guilty of sin. And in, in, in 1 John 1a, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Right? We are all guilty of this. And I, and I don't think I have to just hammer this down, right? I think most of us understood that. We understood that we, are, that we were guilty of sins. That's why we're Christians today, because we have confessed that and we have, we have gone, to, gone to the Lord. In Colossians 1, 13 through 13-14, we read, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We have forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And, and what I really want us to, to, to realize with this forgiveness is the importance and what that ha- has done in our life. Whenever we take communion, we, we read the passage, uh, we'll read the passage in Matthew 26, and when he takes the cup, he says, For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus sacrificed on the cross. He poured his blood out for us. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a great debt that we have owed. Man, our sin was a great debt. The wages of sin is death. Not the wages of some sins, not the wages of, of certain, a few sins over here. The wages of all sin is death. And it's not levels of death, right? It's not, oh, you committed this sin, so you're going to you know, have this little bit of death, or you're going to have this little bit of hell. The wages of sin is death. We all receive death and hell. That is the punishment for our sin. When I asked you earlier about, about being forgiven, it was kind of a, a, a trick question a little bit. I was really surprised at how many people, man, everyone, like, how many of you have done something terrible? <laughs> Everyone's hands went up, right? I was like, oh, all right, you know? And, and, and maybe it was you were thinking kind of along the same thing that I'm saying right now. You're like, yep, Derek, that's what I had in mind. Maybe you're thinking of something specific. But it was kind of a tr- trick question because all that have been called upon the name of the Lord have been forgiven a great debt. Man, if you were a Christian, if you have been saved today, you had a great debt that has been forgiven. See, this debt, it's worthy of tears. This debt is, is worthy of shame. But all that debt that you have accumulated has also been forgiven, and, and it's worthy of loving this forgiver for, the forgiver for. So our forgiveness is, is greatly important. We, we, the, sin of our, the, the debt of our sin was so great. So let's see the three people in this, in this passage. The first one is Simon. He was so quick to judge the sins of others. Now there's no doubt if you were to ask him, you know, like, well, do you not have a sin? You know, he would probably say, yeah, I have my faults. All right, he'd say, you know, it's like when you go in an interview, they're like, what's your weakness? And you're like, man, I'm just, you know, I'm a perfectionist, you know, to an error. It's one of those things like, yes, I have my faults, Right. He might acknowledge them, and they may not even be false, but he would always follow that up with, but at least I don't do this. Like, yeah, you know, everybody sins, but at least I don't do what that person does. At least I haven't committed that sin, right? He was blind to his own debt, and he he viewed his liability toward God as something he could achieve. 
He say, yes, yeah, yeah, I mean, I have, a, I have a little bit of debt. But you don't understand the things that I can do, though. You don't understand the person that I am. Like, yes, I can achieve and, and pay off that debt on my own. These individuals that are like that, they have not truly received this forgiveness. They have been offered this pardon, and in return they said, I would like to deal with this on my own. Thank you very much. Love for the Lord is shown no more than an acknowledgement that he exists. That's, that's what happens. They say, yeah, Jesus is there. Mm-hmm. That's the amount of love. I, I'll, I'll have him into my house. You know, We'll chat it up a little bit. But the debts that I owe, there, there's something I can do on my own. They reject the forgiveness. The second individual that we see is the one that owed the 50 denarii. This person, they've received some forgiveness, but they have not viewed it as that big of a deal. See, after two months or so, or whenever they have paid off this amount of debt that they have, that they have accrued over time, they might forget about it. They would say, you know what, there wasn't a great deal of understanding towards this debt. You know, so like, I paid it off, that's in the past. You know, yeah, that was a thing that happened, right? They didn't understand the amount of debt that they actually owed. There was no true understanding for it. The biggest thing is they didn't understand the consequences of the debt that they had owed. We don't know what would have happened if, if this moneylender in Jesus' parable didn't forgive these guys, right? Maybe thrown in prison. That's probably what would have happened. I, I don't imagine they would have been killed, but I don't know. We don't know who the moneylender was. But the people that, that have been forgiven little, they see their debt, but they haven't viewed forgiveness as something miraculous. They almost view it as something that was almost expected in some, some ways. If you read early on in this chapter, what Jesus, he's performed many miracles, some great miracles. At the beginning, we see that Jesus healed the centurion soldier. Man, he healed this guy. We also read that Jesus rose a widow's son from the dead. When we read the New Testament, there are many passages and many miracles that Jesus performed that are great. Right? They're amazing things. But none of those miracles were greater than the forgiveness of this woman's sin. The sin, the debt that she had owed, that forgiveness was the greatest miracle of all. That was the second type that we see, someone that, that, that views the debt they owe as something kind of little, something that wasn't as important. The third person we see is the one that owned the 500 denarii, the woman. She had great sin. It doesn't say in this passage what her sin was. Some, some commentators think she was probably a woman of the streets, a prostitute of some sorts probably. But the sins that she had were great. But the thing is, she knew it. She knew that her sins were, were, were an issue and were a big deal. She knew how big of a debt that she owed, and she saw that it was insurmountable. She knew that she couldn't pay it off on her own. She was overwhelmed by the weight of her sin. When she, when she was sitting there in the crowd, and, and when Jesus said, Come to me, those who are labor, those who labor and are heavy burdened, when he said that, I, I, I can almost picture her just like, weeping, you know, and in her mind kind of like, you have no idea. You have no idea what the struggle that I'm dealing with right now. She was overwhelmed by the weight of her sin as she's standing at the feet of Jesus, weeping and crying and knowing that she is a sinner and she's putting herself out there because she loves this individual so much. She was overwhelmed by sin, but then she also became overwhelmed by the greatness of this forgiveness that she had experienced. See, this forgiveness led her to love the Savior led her to love Jesus. 
She was so, proud, so profoundly ashamed of her sin, but also in love with her forgiver, forgiver, that some of her actions may seem a little strange. Like even in those times, it was customary to wash their feet, but it wasn't customary to wash them with your tears and dry them with your hair. That wasn't a normal thing. Her, her reaction may have seemed somewhat strange in our eyes, but in Jesus' eyes, it was shown as love. She understood the greatness of her sin. Jesus saw how much she loved him and knew that she had viewed her sin the way that God views sin and that she has understood what forgiveness is like in her life. So those are the three people. Now we need to have our response today. These, these, are, these are real people, the, the woman, Simon. These are real individuals. And, 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 and we, we have to put ourselves there. We have to say, how does this apply to me? I don't care who you are or what you've done. Whether it's good, bad, it doesn't matter. Our own individual sins have sentenced us to hell. Not the sins of someone else. Not something you can blame and point fingers at each other. Our own individual sins are enough to send us to hell. And God would be holy and, and just to send us to hell and to have us pay for our own sins with this eternal torture, with this, with this eternal debt of sin that we have. But God, in his mercy and love towards us, sent his Son to take on the punishment that we deserve. See, a greater understanding of our sin will give us a greater understanding of God's grace. We will show our understanding of that grace and of his forgiveness by our love toward him. So I had heard that many times before. A greater understanding of our sin will give us a greater understanding of God's grace. But I think we can also apply it this way. The greater the love for the Savior we have, the greater our love for God is, the greater the understanding of our sin is as well. If we understand how much debt we owed, how much God has forgiven us, man, we will love him. And, and, and that can be, I don't want to use that as a vague term, love, what that means. God tells us what it means. We live in obedience to him. We follow his word. What he tells us to do, we do. Another way that we show that we love God is by loving each other. So if we live in obedience and if we love one another, that the more that we do that and the greater the priority that is in our life to show that we love God, I believe the more we, will, we have understood the debt that we owed. When we have an understanding, our response needs to be with love toward God, not hiding in shame, though. Someone might take this passage and say, man, you're right, I have owed so much. My sin is so great, and yes, I know I've been forgiven. I understand that, but my sin, it's so, it's, it's so shameful. And us seeking forgiveness. Yes, this woman felt shame, but Jesus had a response to that shame. So Jesus was talking to Simon before.